All right. Welcome to the Wildly Tarot Podcast. Hi, Esther. Hi, Holly. I don't know about you, but I, my dog has not been letting me get enough sleep because of how close we are to the solstice. Like, I'm yes. seriously considering getting new curtains just because <laughs> I need to be able to sleep for more than, like, six hours. <laughs> I've got to tell you, this morning at, like, 5.58 a.m., I woke up with a start because I thought I was late for work because Kamja was borking in the background. Bark! And it was, it was just so a... bright. It was so, and it was bright. so bright. And I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm late for work. And I wasn't at all by any means, but she is very awake and very insistent so that early, it was time yeah. for her to eat. Yeah. So. It's like, and I guess when we try to live by the wheel of the year, we also adapt to like the darkness and the light, but like, yeah, Jesus Christ. Animals, the light is so relax. much worse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, know. I, know. I just need to be able to sleep. So we're worse. all running on empty. I know, <sighs> but we're almost to summer solstice. Do you actually, are we even recording before our, before solstice? No. Cause it's like, I think we, yeah, this is oh. the, we're, we're at the 17th today. I don't think it's the solstice yet. No, the solstice is the 21st. So 21st. it's next Monday. We have yeah. five days. Do you have anything planned? No, no, not yet. <laughs> I I don't like summer solstice. It's too hot. It's too exhausting. <laughs> summer solstice should be appreciative that I just actually acknowledge it's, it's Wait, existence. Wait, your audio is gone. Your audio oh, is gone? gone. Can you hear me now? Yeah. It was weird because it was still recording on my end. So who I knows? I know. It's still recording. I just couldn't hear anything. That's so weird. But as long as we're recording, we can just chalk it up to old Merc. <laughs> Merkel. Our old friend Mercury. And just move on. But anyway, I don't even <laughs> remember okay. what we were saying. I was just going to play about solstice. Should be just appreciative that I am acknowledging it as a solstice and there not just go. bitching the whole time. So. I mean, I think that that's enough. I don't think that like huge, huge celebrations are that necessary. No. Especially because, yeah. Summer's just hard for our job, so it's hard to, like, be coordinated enough to create any actual plans. Like, but maybe some baking, but it's so hot to turn on an oven when it's I fucking know. hot outside. Have you seen... This is not to send you down a full oh, existential no, crisis I have of seen. climate change. I have already seen. <laughs> I have seen it all. And I'm still it's just, just, like, like denial every single ostrich. record in the western half of the United States is being shattered this uh. week. Shattered Texas has no power. Like what the fuck? I hate, I hate it so much. Anyway, I know so. Esther is. Yeah. Esther gets <laughs> so spiraled about climate change for oh, good reason. For I good mean, reason not wrong to do it, but no. it does impact your life in it such does. a severely negative way. Yes, it like. does. Absolutely. And the thing is that none of us can do anything about it because it's corporations. Like as exactly. an individual, Whatever I do doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. So, and it's why so should I worry feel about like it? There's no personal way to help. I mean, the only other thing to do in life is become an anarchist. I think. Don't record that on our podcast. I'm going to no like blur that out, blur that little part out yeah, there. Exactly. Just, like mumble it into like some anonymous sort of like lower voice register stuff. Wildly Terror Podcast does not. <laughs> Which is actually not even true either. Damn it. You have to blur that out too. <laughs> is it violence if it's an individual against an entity? Like yeah, like yeah, businesses probably. businesses and corporations are not people. They right. are in governmental stuff. We have 
okay, this is now going to like some philosophical podcast that is not where <laughs> my not field house for. is. Exactly. Because but <laughs> businesses are not supposed to be in change of, in like, are not in place of people. And people's right. what matter. People but are what matter. Businesses are not people. Yeah, so. businesses are not people. That's true. So mm, we are not a danger to people. people. Yes. <laughs> quickly oh yeah change. i'm like about to like drink some water because i'm parched that was here the riskiest banter we've ever had <laughs> we went from talking about the solstice to talking about capitalism literally being burned to the ground within five minutes i mean and while we're at it fuck the police i mean while yeah, we're just exactly. here <laughs> while we're here we're just like in a place we're in a place I mean, I mean, climate change gives me lots of feelings and lots of fiery feelings. My Leo just enrages. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, let's see what flew out. Fiery feelings well, too. well, you know what just flew out of the the Casey Musgraves deck is the world. So look at the. <laughs> Aw, that was part of the box that you just it got was. from me. It was part I was of the like, box. Esther got something from Casey Musgraves. It's a tarot deck, and it's really cute tarot it deck. Is cute. I really the like it. The colors are fantastic. Yeah. So the, the world, the world is like, focus on the big picture. Yes. yes. Stop spiraling. <laughs> Stop spiraling. It's, it's fine. That's focus hilarious. on your life. <laughs> zoom in. Don't zoom out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll be okay. Yes, we will be okay. Probably. Probably. Well, there's no way to know. Maybe. We'll just ha we have to say that we'll be More okay. anxiety medication. Okay. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Intense therapy and medication. Yes. Okay, our first question of the episode is from Mercedes, and Mercedes asks, My question is brought about my by comments made by friends about my tarot reading hobby. In truth, my tarot reading hobby is purely for fun, but as years went on, it seemed the hobby has become a part of my life and identity. Friends and acquaintances come to me seeking guidance. Each time I get a querent, I always say my disclaimer is that I just do this for fun. I've never made any money of this, that a reading should not be taken as end-all advice to all of the next steps. It's only guidance, not just the perceived fortune-telling. Honestly, I feel like it's a hit or miss on my end. Sometimes a reading can be so vague. I don't get much out of it. Then there are those times when I'm like, why did I think of it that way? Then it becomes true. Mm. And some are no. so clear. Oh, what? I, I say no because you're not saying, why did I think of it that way? And then it becomes true. Yeah. It just becomes clearer. clearer. It's already yeah. happening. Yeah. Just, that's a nitpick, but it's important because of something. Distinction. That, yes. Yeah. It's an important distinction. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> um, and some are so clear they blow my mind away. I've even had three clear instances wherein I read an actual deaths to happen. I didn't make that reading known to the queerance of the time since I felt it was such a dark thing to say when it was, when I was not even sure why I read it that way. They just popped in my head, but I ignored it because I found it scary. My friends say that through the years, my readings are becoming more and more clear and to the point. I'm not sure if that's true, but those are the testimonials I'm getting so far. I've never made a record of each day in every reading I've made. I remember very few, those that are very clear. Most of the time I read, then I forget. Same. Yeah. 
<laughs> At the moment, I use several decks. My favorites so far are the Tatiana Fortune Telling Cards and the Fountain Tarot. So I'm wondering, can the cards tell me if this hobby of mine just happened to be a skill I unconsciously honed through the years, or maybe it has developed into a gift, as my friends would call it, that I'm not aware of? So I think that you're so scared of this. Yes. Dear, dear Mercedes. It, I just am sensing so much fear of being a talented tarot reader. And I think that maybe the impetus for that fear is your perception that you reading something and having an intuitive hit that you can't explain is then causing that thing to happen rather than warning you that it will happen. You know yes. what I mean? Yes. Yes. Because it can be both something that comes naturally and also is a honed gift. Yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah. And I think that most readers would say that it is both. Yeah. I also think that people like I think, OK, this is a great example because Teresa Reed and her books and even when she speaks in person, she remembers a lot of her readings. And that's mm -hmm. because she has a brain for it. Like she yes. she can say, oh, I gave this reading or oh, I gave that reading. Here's what came out. Here's what, what the result was. That is not as common as or I would like to think it is because I'm not that way. <laughs> I think it feels way more common that you have a reading. It sparks something in you. And then you kind of forget all about it. Or weeks later, you're like, oh, yeah, I did do that reading and I got right. these cards. But like, I tend to not remember any of my, any. I, I would say most of my readings I don't remember. Uh, I think for readings for myself, I will not. There are some like there are some that I do specifically remember because certain cards are significant, like for my appendix surgery the justice card kept coming up weeks before my appendix. Oh, interesting. Ha started happening. And the king of <laughs> started trying to kill you. The king of swords <laughs> and the queen of cups. Maybe there was like three cards. Oh, interesting. Like that. No, and death, like justice, death, and the king of swords kept popping up as a trio together. Oh my before God. My appendix surgery. And I was like, I, I thought it had to do with my husband going back to work. Okay. Everything's going to come back into balance and life will change. And yeah, da, 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 because like, that's what we were dealing with at that time. And then it just kept coming out. And I was like, why do these keep three cards? I guess it's going to be really big, significant change for my husband returning back to work. And then I drew them in the hospital as my first drawing in the hospital bed. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, hi, this is what you're yeah. about. Okay. Oh, this is what this you're is talking what we're about. Here. The justice sword. So yeah, it's, it just kind of depends on yeah. the type of reading, I guess for me. Yeah. And I think that like the, it's interesting to think about the fact that like, like, being a good storyteller. And I think we got a previous question that I don't know if we answered on the air about like, is this just that I'm good at telling stories or is it mm -hmm. actually something that's happening? And I think that it's kind of both. So I, yeah. for, I guess firstly, Mercedes, I would say don't think about this as such a black and white issue. Like don't think about it as, am I faking it or is this really something I could do? Or, you know, am I bringing darkness into the world by going with my intuition or not because even without tarot cards some people have those intuitive gut punches like yeah I have always had it really strongly about other people's pregnancies uh -huh. like even before I got into cardamancy like I could always immediately tell when somebody was pregnant like even mm -hmm. when they were just barely like a few weeks pregnant and you can't just because that's like more uplifting than getting hits of intuition about somebody passing away doesn't uh -huh. mean that it's like more valuable or right. like something that you should be 
like talking about more, I guess. Like the death stuff is scary and I'm sure that that stuck with you a lot, but also it didn't have anything to do with you reading for it. Yes, yes. I will t- I will tell you for me, I was not allowed back into a nursing home as a granddaughter like <laughs> to these adopted grandparents at Were nursing you too home. Spooky? I kind of killed people ev- after they like I visited their you room. You didn't and they, do like, they... anything. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's the same yeah. thing. My visit coinciding with their death soon after is just a coincidence. Did they I'm actually not say you can't be here like, anymore? People like cast me out of the room. Like the grandmas like were like, oh, she's here. She can't come in. And they like are all of a sudden very rude. Yes. It was, Poor it was baby very. Esther. It was, like, How old were you? It was like. 14? Oh my god, so you're already so fucking self-conscious about what other people think of you, especially (laughs) as an oldest daughter, what adults think of you. (laughs) It was was a nightmare. I mean, it was just, yeah, it was like, it was a kind of a running joke in my family that I'm like the that angel you were of like death. the angel of death yeah. well isn't it interesting so, yeah. because there's also like all this stuff and this is a whole separate other rant but like we especially in the United States are so separated from death that when mm-hmm. death happens in our circle it feels like impossible to grasp almost mm-hmm. but in other places where people are more likely to die at home rather than in hospitals or have a different relationship with death than the United States does it if you do, if you have a sense that someone is going to lose someone and then they do, that's because you're more connected with yes. the world, not because you're seeing the bad stuff. Right. It's because you're a more open to like those, those messages, passages. Also, right. it's yeah. really like every, you can't escape without experiencing death. Right. Like within your community or yourself, obviously. Because we only, as far as we know, have one <laughs> shot at this. But it's just like there we get so separated from death and death can seem so scary. And I'm not saying that loss isn't scary. Like mm-hmm. loss is scary and really difficult. Definitely. But if you're getting readings where you're seeing death surrounding somebody, that does not mean that you have anything to do with it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You aren't the cause for anything happening. You are just the messenger not maybe not even necessarily to deliver that message to them, but you have the different context to what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. So don't worry too much about that. And then I also think that just saying like you, as you practice anything, you get more adept at it. And so yes. it can be both a gift that you've been given and also a skill that you're honing. Yes. Cause there are definitely like very natural tarot readers that, you know, we are drawn to because of their, gift of that storytelling but also they have you know like they have studied there are people who have I mean like I just think of Benabel Wen who has like thrust her whole entire being into studying the tarot yeah. and what that is and divination in general like well and I know, think so like there even is stuff we like can that. be a good example of this because I picked up tarot really really quickly and then like didn't do anything to further my education oh you yeah. since you because you're a more education oriented person I suppose <laughs> since you started doing tarot you have like learned as much as you possibly could and you are a much better reader than I am even though I've been reading longer because I didn't continue trying to hone the skill and you always do because you're a wise person who's a very growth oriented. <laughs> but I think that it's interesting because we both like right. maybe started at different places of like feeling like this was a skill that was given to us, but you also have put so much work into honing it. And that's why you're such an accurate and incredibly good reader. 
And that could, that's the same with anybody, usually individually rather than us comparing the two of us, but we're kind right, of a right. unit for this right. podcast sake. So <laughs> there's like something that comes up for me a lot is just like, oh, Esther's honing this skill. Like Esther's not just saying, I just am good at it, which is what I tell myself. Esther's like, I'm getting better at it every single day, which is a really uh, cool thing to do. Well, thank you for that. Cause I don't feel like that, but I'm just, doing, I'm just nerding out. That's what it just, I feel like I'm like, Ooh, look at this little That's thing. Let me read all this stuff. Your skills, girlfriend. Because, I mean, I, you're the person who I got my first reading from. So I still think you're like the best reader ever. So I appreciate that. <laughs> but I was thinking this morning as I was looking through my time hop app, like oh, yeah. for the day, I was like, this is like the first year where I have not read for myself daily or oh. at least weekly. Uh-huh. Like I used to always do it. And then in the last like 18 months, I have completely basically like yeah. basically the only readings that I'm doing are occasionally for friends and on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is wild. And you're still like learning new skills. Like you are now the Lenormand queen. It's going to be so fun for <laughs> no. our summer school thing, because when we did our previous Lenormand episodes, neither of us knew very much about Lenormand. Yeah. We had just started dipping our toes in. And now oh, you're like, like the creator of a Lenormand <laughs> deck and somebody who uses Lenormand all the time. So it's like you are developing and honing these skills. Oh, it's awesome. Please, please. It's okay. It's fine. It's fine. Please. That's just going to no cut more. all of this, all of this out. out. I will. I will cut all of that out. She's like, this is where the cancer moon and rising cannot compete with the Leo sun or the Leo sun really gets overshadowed by the cancer moon and rising because yeah. the Leo sun should be digging it. It's, it's she, she's very flattered, but then that little cry was like, also okay, horrifying. it's just too much. It's very horrified. Okay. Please don't, please don't. You're high. Said it's, the expectations are now too high. They're too high. Expectations Jeez, should be high. You're an incredible reader. Icarus in the sun. That's where we're headed, Holly. Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't want to put you in danger of it's plummeting fine. to a melted wax and feather covered death. I'll just like jump back into my shell really quick and land. On the yeah, there shell. you go. You can be safe. You're not going to speak to me for like six days. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, sorry. Holly, yeah. I yeah. Sorry. Do- <laughs> I can't deal with that anymore. Anyway, what? Okay, so moving on from how great Esther is. Um, <laughs> please, please, faster, faster. Let's wrap it up. Okay. But I think that a good, maybe to pull cards for this would be to maybe say rather than is this a skill or something you've developed, maybe saying how can you develop the skill set and how can you like there's sort of like an ex- to control or like accept it because yeah. there's like a resistance here in this because like she, like she, she's always sort of discrediting herself at the beginning right. oh it's just for fun oh it's just something i enjoy and there's sort of like a discrediting that's sort of happening before she even starts the process of doing a tarot reading so how can yeah. she accept this gift and develop it more and develop it further perfect i love that all right accept the gift let's start with that Okay. Or not even accept the gift. Accept that this is something that she is good at now. Yes, 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 yes. Accepting that she is something. So we don't use the language of gifting versus. Right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know if you can hear Kamja tap dancing in the background in her sleep. Aw, no, I just hear you counting to seven quietly. Okay, I'm trying. I'm trying to hold it in. Okay. 
What did you get? Okay, so for the acceptance of who she is as a tarot reader now, I got Temperance. Okay, and I got and, two major arcanas too. Okay, okay. And then for developing it further, I got the Three of Wands. Okay, so for acceptance, I got the Star and the Fool. Oh, okay. Those are all, that's, a, that's a really powerful trio. Yeah, the Star, the Fool, and Temperance is kind of beautiful because it's sort of like about accepting the like lightness and hopefulness of the ability to like transmute like yes. spirit to practicality with that yes. combination of temperance and the star uh-huh. and just accepting that this is kind of like, and I think the fool is, is great for an acceptance question because it's really just like, <laughs> you can just say I'm beginning this journey of acceptance. You don't have yeah. to immediately be like fully accepted. Totally, totally. I love the way you said the word transmute because I think that's what we do a lot as tarot readers is we like transmute messages to something earthly, if it makes any yeah, sense. Like we're totally. taking this ball of spiritual fluffy fluff shit and then like giving it out in a practical way. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's probably really key in kind of making that connection between feeling like it isn't something that you should be good at and yeah. actually realizing that you are good at it. Yes, totally. And then you got the three of wands for how Development. to develop it. And I got yeah. the emperor. Okay. And the emperor kind of flew out as I was shuffling and I just kind of oh. noted it and put him back. So it came out for me. Thank came out for you. you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, whatever deck this is. Antique Anatomy. Uh, emperor and three of wands is interesting because I think that it's really just saying like, maybe look at the big picture and kind of the overarching, maybe even rules for yourself yeah. that would make the development feel easier. I think that the, the emperor being the key with the three of wands rather than the empress, it's not saying like nurture it necessarily. Mm -hmm. It's right. saying like establish boundaries that you're comfortable with and then figure out ways to sort of like embody those boundaries uh -huh. as you move forward and look at the big picture and continue planning. Right. Yeah. Set up your boundaries, set up what you're comfortable with in progressing forward and sort of expansion in that, right. you know, because yeah. both Especially of those are pretty expansion related. Yeah. yeah. And kind of control related because the three of wands is not like jumping into action. It's still right. sort of like on a bluff thinking about it. Right. But I was also thinking that maybe one of the ways that you could set those boundaries is to say like I so, for example, my sister's birthday was last weekend. That's why I was not there for the interview. Esther did such a good job on it. <laughs> uh, but because there was no Internet access the way that we were promised there would be. And so yeah. I couldn't participate. But I was doing um, a reading for one of her friends and she's like there, you know, there's stuff that I. I don't really want to talk about. Yeah. And so the way around that is to just be really specific in your questions, which we've talked about a lot, especially in terms of Lenormand, but with tarot mm -hmm. also. And so right. maybe rather than saying, oh, I'm just doing this for fun. So I'm not really going to take any ownership over what I'm asking because this is just supposed to be a good time. Right. You can framework stuff from now on to say, tell me something positive or tell me something to look out for that is growth oriented or whatever mm -hmm. so that it doesn't just, you don't get like bombarded. Yes. Like messages, intuitive messages about bad stuff happening too, because that seems to be what you're focused on is the intuitive uh -huh. bad stuff. So if you say, I'm not looking for general input, I'm looking right. for these specific questions and sort of take some sense of like strength and ownership, some of that emperor energy into your readings 
rather than minimizing your abilities by saying, I'm just doing this for entertainment and for fun. You can still say those things, but then yeah. rather than it being like, oh, this doesn't matter because it's not a real reading. I'm not right. a real reader. Say, I am a real reader. I get intuitive hits and I'm trying to maintain a sense of order. So what I'm really looking for are these following things rather mm-hmm. than just like general reading. Well, and even as the emperor, like you said, taking ownership, but the, the emperor knows that they're the king and knows that yeah. they're the ruler yeah. and going and being that, you know, tarot reader that know that you have this, like taking that ownership within yourself saying, yes, I do have this gift. I am honing it. This is who, this is who I am. Instead of discrediting yourself from the beginning, because if a, if an emperor discredits themselves from the beginning, they don't have a throne. Exactly. You know, so, so be that emperor energy as you walk into the re any reading with even like other people, but also with yourself. Yeah. You know, you need to see yourself as the king or the leader of that, of your own reading. If it makes any sense. Like, And even for other people, if they say, I have questions about my relationship and you say, you know, I am not really feeling that you don't have to say I'm getting intuitive hits that this relationship is a nightmare. You can just say, you know, just like work on figuring out ways to lead stuff in another direction because you're the one who's standing on the bluff looking at the picture in control of the situation. If something feels like it's going down bad don't panic, just redirect it. Think about different questions that are slight variations so that you can kind of adjust and then you'll be able to feel like you're back in control instead of like getting Mm -hmm. messages that you didn't ask for. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for your question, Mercedes. This was really interesting discussion with Holly and I. I know. It's interesting because I do think that it can feel overwhelming to say I am... Like, I think, I don't know, the more the tarot becomes more mainstream, the more that the messaging is, this isn't divinatory, it's just for self-development, blah, 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 and you really don't want it to be divinatory, or not really. Some people feel worried about it being divinatory because it's hard to feel comfortable with, like, knowing what's to come. It's not a... It's not an easy position to find yourself in. But if you're finding that your intuition is sparking on divinatory things rather Mm -hmm. than developmental things, that's okay. Just adapt how you work in that area so that it doesn't feel so at odds with your comfort level. Like you're totally, you're the emperor of this. Yeah. You you get to decide. Yep. Totally. Oh man. Okay. We're going to do another soul searching question because my question is from Ruth and Ruth says, I'm also an ex-Christian who has found tarot. I'm fascinated by Esther's journey and really relate to the family dynamics. Is there an episode where Esther talks about her journey out of Christianity and finding tarot? The short answer answer is is no, no. (laughs) She Esther is, has not always been the most comfortable with sharing about this. She does frequently with friends and she does regularly on the podcast, but not the entire story. Right. Yes. Linearly, 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 chronologically. Yeah. Yeah. Like (laughs) one of those words, (laughs) if I had to give my version, I would say she was realizing that her feminist ideals could not exist in the Christianity she was raised in. Okay. Then this is, sorry, this is interesting. I'm like, huh, how would you Molly describe it? Okay. <laughs> and then people kept being shitheads and eventually <laughs> Esther said, Oh my God, this is complete, complete bullshit. <laughs> then she listened to a couple of podcast episodes from Ono Ross and Carrie, where she realized the cult like structure of the organization that she was raised in. 
Yeah. And then she started exploring out in the world and realizing that there were ways to access personal growth and spiritual development without the structures that were so fucking terrible to her. Okay. And then our tarot came out. And then our tarot came out <laughs> and the rest is history. Yeah, exactly. A la Wally Tarot Podcast. That's my impression. Now I want to <laughs> okay. hear your actual story. Okay. Uh, I've, it's hard to kind of know where to start. Well, you were an angel of death at 14. I was. <laughs> um, let's see. I don't know. Should I give some context for my Christianity? I feel like I should because yeah. I often refer to it as a like cult-esque. Not, it is to me like... There's a fine line between like churches and cults, obviously. I think we've discussed this right. on Patreon, probably, I think. Oh, yeah, that's true. Something like that. Um, the hard thing is that this question is now coming out after your parents and family know about the well, podcast. Well, they can Nobody's now listening. listen to my story via this yeah, episode. Yeah, there you go. And I don't have to go over. I can be like, listen to my episode here. Listen to episode, episode 121. What is this, 121? <laughs> of Wallet Podcast. Story. Um, so I was raised in the south of America, not South America, but the <laughs> southeastern part of the United States of America. Uh-huh. And, uh, um, and for the first 12 years of my life, oh, I just bought my mic, sorry. For the first 12 years of my life, I was raised what's called Independent Fundamental Baptist, um, which is a very strict form of Christianity where most of the time it's King James Version only. Most of the time, women don't wear pants. Um, my family was a little different because my mother was raised independent Baptist and my father was raised Southern Baptist. So there was a bit of more of like liberal influence. I'm using air quotes. <laughs> so, like extreme air quotes because it's still the Baptist. It's still, right. Still Baptist. So you ha- so just to, I'm just trying to give like a context that other Christians yeah, yeah, would yeah. understand. Yeah. Um, and then when we were 12 slash 13, we changed denominations to Southern Baptist, which is the infamous Southern Baptist Convention. And my, that's when my father entered the ministry as a youth pastor. So from that point on, we were always like considered staff children. So mm. I got a which view is into especially culty because then you have even less you have to be perfect. To, yeah. You have to be the shining example for other people. Um and so it's just a lot of pressure within a family to for performance, for going to church. We were open. We were going to church, you know, anytime the doors were open. That was kind of like the big joke. Um, <laughs> That's a pretty funny joke. Yeah. <laughs> anytime the doors were open, we were there. You know, Wednesday night, Bible study, Thursday night, you know, gym, you know, stuff like that. Like anytime the doors were open, we were there. Um, and I'll say that my like Christianity conversion experience Um, I don't remember being saved. Like, I don't remember Mm -hmm. going forward and saying a prayer or anything like that. I just remember being a Christian. I was raised in Christianity. I sort of, you know, felt like I grew into Christianity. And that was sort of my coming to faith story where it was something I was raised in. So I've always believed in Jesus and that sort of thing. I do think that for non-evangelicals, like that surprises me as somebody who was raised Episcopalian that the sort of like awakening to Jesus that evangelicalism emphasizes so much just does not really exist in non-evangelical Christianity. Right. Like you don't have to have an adult like experience decision, whatever in Episcopalianism, Uh like that's not really a thing, (laughs) but I know that evangelicalism 
those testimonials or whatever mm-hmm. they're called are like such a huge yes. component. Yes. Like it's, I kind of went back to like the Paul and the road to Damascus experience where like the light from God came down from heaven and Paul yeah. repents of his sins and comes to Jesus. Sort of right. Thing. Um, that was sort of like the idealized Christian testimony. Yeah. It's yeah. like, Oh, I was like filthy. And I my was drug a sinner. Addiction, yeah. You know, things I like murdered that. Someone. And someone, then when I went to jail, I found Jesus. Jesus in this, you know, my, I changed completely. And, you know, he set me free that, you know, these things that you're always raised with and yeah. growing up with. Um, and I mean, I, I was, I was homeschooled for most of my life. I went to a private Christian school for part of that. And there was some bullying that happened, which really shocked me as a young Christian girl that, that at a Christian society, yeah, you'd bullying can loving, happen. Yeah. Aren't we all supposed to be so loving? Right. And... Especially from the, like the principal's son and like, there was nothing ever done about it. You know, so yeah. there was like this sense of like, Unjustness. wow, this is not, Yeah. This is not what I signed up for. <laughs> up. Um, but graduated from homeschooling um, and went to a small community college for like two years because it was inexpensive. I could live at home and then went to a um, at, it was a first an independent fundamental Baptist college that had Ronald Reagan come through that had lots of it was a very if I said the name and independent fundamental Baptist circles, it'd be very known um, as a college. It's not Liberty. I was it, just going to say, just, it, it was not, not liberty. liberty. It's not Liberty. Just because there's so many podcasts so, out right now about Liberty. So yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah. that's like the main one that. It was the precursor to Liberty. Like it was the pre-Liberty Liberty. Like, so, um, so I went there when it was kind of like in its last years and mm-hmm. graduated from undergrad there with a history degree. Everyone graduates with, graduates with a Bible minor. I did really well in all my Bible classes, all the Bible classes. Because you have a brain that retains stuff so well. Like you are a Details. very- Yeah, you're, you're yeah. so detail-oriented. So that doesn't surprise me that Bible would be an area of like well, specific it was like And skill. like you said, um, for me, like- I was always like my, even though we grew up in this very conservative household, there has always been strong women in my family Mm -hmm. and we've always kind of spoken our minds and, you know, felt that like we would be called like prophetesses and, and any sort of like other Christian sect, you know, like, like church of God would have a prophetess. That's why the women in my family are more of that prophetess sort of. Yeah, totally. Um, and so even in Bible college, I was like, I was reading all the texts about women in the Bible and I'm like, Hey, Hey, you guys, like there was like, there's like a woman that was a judge that over men in the, in the old Testament, there's, you know, the woman at the well, she's an infamous, she went back and preached. Like it literally says in the Bible text that she went back and preached. And so like in college is kind of when I've started being more liberal ish. Well, and also trying to find that transition between when women were active participants in the early mm-hmm. church yep. and preach pre early church, when right. they were respected members and leaders, to then, you know, growing up in a situation where you were sort of told that women are like supposed to act a certain way and supposed right. to be seen a certain way and like all of that sort of like how to how to look, feel interact Mm -hmm. with people like where is that breakdown from like the strong powerful to the meek and subservient coming from right right and so and like I always kind of gravitated towards 
like the strong women icons in that Christian community. Like there are like, you know, there are women who do speak out and, you know, sometimes they, you know, say, well, I'm under the, my, the headship of my husband or other things like that. But like, I just knew that the way people were understanding that was wrong. And plus Mm -hmm. like with LGBTQIA plus issues, I already in my teenage years had already felt that that was also not like consistent and so yeah. it didn't make sense and if it doesn't yeah. make sense to me it's not true right you know, as, i've right. always been that sort of person like if and if a rule doesn't make sense then it's not a good rule it's not just i think that like right. maybe this is also some of your cancer placements because my sister has this too and she has a lot of <laughs> cancer placements but right. like the the feelings of things being on un, not unfair but unjust just yeah come through really strongly in you like right. you're like that is not just <laughs> no they can't deal with it. <laughs> yeah. Deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then when you, when you would say this doesn't seem just, and people are like, basically stop asking questions. Right, exactly. Right. And so like after, after Bible school, um, I was, I had a job at the university at the university slash seminary and they're like, Hey, you want to take some free classes? And I'm like, sure, I'll get my master's degree for free. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I, might you as know, well. like might as well, I'm here. Um, so I ended it, but it's like, like that's the the anyway I won't go into that that's another rant for another day so <laughs> like so I have like seminary credentials like I've looked at the textual criticism of certain things but mm-hmm. the way that the conservativeness of the school is that they don't teach textual criticism like you would see like at a Yale University or Harvard well so like as a religious studies major yes. and as somebody who was thinking about going to divin like divinatory. divination school. divination school <laughs> divinatory school. <laughs> Which to and I like went to go visit a bunch of divination schools because that really felt like a good path for me at the right. time. Which I made one of my friend's husbands die laughing when I told him that there was like a brief moment in time where I was like, I could be an Episcopalian priest. And they at the Yale Divinity School, they do have an Episcopalian seminary, and mm-hmm. the head of that part of the school like took me aside at lunch to be like, We're looking for priests like you. And I was like so <laughs> flattered that she, he almost talked me into it. Yeah. But like in in divination school, they are really trying to do critical analysis right. in actual like outsider perspective ways mm-hmm. rather than just like within the insider. Right. And I think that's also where that transition into cultishness comes into play. Because yes. It's an us versus them mentality of mm-hmm. like true biblical scholars versus secular biblical scholars who don't know what they're talking about at right. all and are just trying to ruin the church or whatever. Right, exactly. And, it makes it so us versus them. Right. Cause everything is sort of taught from a apologetic standpoint. Like you yeah. need to know this because this person's going to say this. So you have to combat it with this fact. Right. It's not actually like, like when I was reading certain things, like after the fact, I was like, Whoa, that's wait, why didn't we learn? Why didn't we learn this in yeah. my seminary? This would have been really great information to have known when this is like historical fact, like based right. on evidence that's outside right. of everyone's <laughs> right. consideration. Exactly. Like, <laughs> so, you know, so for me, because of my experience with seeing like the backside of, you know, this, the church and seeing the like the dark side structure. and the organizational yeah. structure and, and things combined with the fact that stuff wasn't matching up, I was becoming more like liberal in my Christianity, but in the South, it's really hard to find a church that would like have importance on biblical text mm-hmm. and the liberalism, if that makes yeah. any sense. Those liberal, like it, I would label them as liberal, like foundations, like, yeah. you know, equality, 
just yeah. for other people, you know, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. It's just difficult. So I actually just, I didn't go to church probably during college. I would go to Bible studies and things like that. But it, but for me, my spirituality at that point even had its own, a mind of its own. It was something personal to me that was personally mm-hmm. developed and, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, and then I decided to come to Korea because I was just, I needed to get out of that space. I yeah. knew that I needed to get out of that bubble and I was like okay it's you know all of a sudden like randomly one day I saw an ad I was like oh that's interesting you can teach in Korea for two years well or a year or two okay well it's not like a long-term commitment yeah yeah I can I can go and at this point I already had Apple certifications under my belt I had other like technical things that I could return back to an IT job within a year if I wanted to yeah um and, and so, all, I mean, I, you can cut this out, but you'd also experienced okay. an intense trauma that was so right. fucking mishandled by yes. everybody that you were around that it was right. not just, I need to let my brain be in a freer spot, but also I need to physically be in a space that I might be able to feel safe again. in, and that meant leaving. Right. And that, and the, tr- I it definitely, because like I needed that, even though that trauma had like happened a few years before my leaving point it was still so impactful that yeah like, like I had you to had physically PTSD, get out girl. I, had, <laughs> I still have PTSD but yeah. yeah it's yeah it's one of those things where like I just knew I I needed to just get my breath right and take a breath if that makes well, and sense. I do think that this is what's so important is that in the conversion story into evangelical Christianity, there's so much emphasis on a flashpoint, mm-hmm. epiphany, realization of truth, truthfulness right, or whatever. Right. In the story of people leaving those experiences, it so rarely is one single thing that made right. me realize that everything was wrong. It's always an accumulation of experiences and thoughts of your own and whatever that gets people to that point, which is why right. like cult deprogramming is so complicated because yes. if you think about any cult that separates people from their others, that tells you how to think, feel, look, act, mm-hmm. whatever that has such a focus on gaining new members and raising money and preventing you from being tainted by the outside world in any situation like the anti-cult programmers or whatever, if right. they kidnap somebody, it does not work. <laughs> it doesn't which work. Has happened no. in Scientology and so many other things where <laughs> a deprogrammer goes and kidnaps somebody because it never is just a wake one single mm-hmm. wake up call. Right. It always is a thousand things. And it makes me think of that episode of uh, Leah Remini's show where her childhood best friend's mom saw one single episode of the show and then called her daughter to be like, I think I'm ready now after oh, being in yeah. the church for like 60 years, having her daughter call her every week. This is a cult. You shouldn't be doing this. This is so wrong. Mm-hmm. Blah, 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 blah. None of that was enough. It all had to just be building upon building upon building. Yeah. Finally seeing that other people were able to make changes and then getting to a point where leaving is acceptable for you. Right. But it is this huge distinction between like this, this major incident of conversion initially to just a trickle of deconversion. Right. Right. These little things that it's, I see it as like little cracks, I guess like, you know, those little blips in the matrix where you're like, this yeah. isn't, this isn't right. And I can't put my finger on why it's not right, but it's not right. And then you just file it away. Yeah. It, because one of those moments was, so I was a part of one of these very intense Bible studies. We did like verse by verse analysis. Uh, and this is like, as I'm preparing to come to Korea, yeah. I'm going to Bible studies at 5am, praying oh for an gosh. hour. And then the next hour is Bible study. 
So, and I'm, I'm actively doing this while getting my stuff ready to come to Korea. And at one point I'm sitting there and I'm praying. I'm like, you know, asking for God's blessing and opening doors for me to come to Korea. And this thought came into my mind. I was like, Esther, you're the one actually getting your stuff together to send. Yeah. God's not doing anything. You're the one who's like, <laughs> yeah, like, and it you're was the like, one I was scrambling was, to get paperwork. Yeah, you're the one who's like writing happen. the resume. You're the one who's like taking the initiative to yeah. get recommendation letters. You're the one who's getting all these things in line. What has God done the process so far? And it was, and I, I was like, wow, Esther, that's kind of selfish. Like put that follow back that away. But like, I think of that now is at my magician moment. Yeah. And I, and I, and I like accidentally had the magician as like the bottom card, like Aww, pop up here. Like I, I was like, it. oh, but it's so true because that was my magician moment where I was manifesting my own future at that. And you were point. utilizing tools that you'd already developed and have in you that had right. nothing to do with anyone else or any you know, divinity. It was right. just you having these tools and making them happen. Right. Or so making them work I, together to make something happen. That's really and, beautiful. Well, and so push comes to shove. I come to Korea. I realize Buddhist people aren't as evil as they were <laughs> pictured in, like, in my apologetics class and things like that. But you took an actual class called apologetics. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, everyone took apologetics. Did they yeah, just, yeah. like, make you fight against perceived enemies about biblical truths? We would learn about other religions, other cults. But in um, the framework of, of Christianity and how to, you know, talk to people about, oh, yeah, 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 whole semester. We got a grade on it. Yeah. Hey, the, <laughs> I hated that teacher. But so yes. I also think that apologists are something like I only learned about it or learned about apologists because of my undergraduate major. But there's mm-hmm. like this whole genre of Christian early Christian mm-hmm. writing that are called the apologies. And there's all uh-huh. of these different apologies from all of these different people. And all of them, I think that we understand the word apologies to mean something different from what it means in this context. But in right. this context, like Esther alluded to earlier, it really is about defense like, against the dark arts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're exactly right. It's like defense against people who are coming after Christianity. Right. 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 So it's all it, to take an entire class about that, where they would go through other religions. And uh, like, and then ca- Catholicism, the like Catholicism was there because Baptists yeah. don't believe Catholics are really Christians. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a bunch of like stuff like that. So, so then you are in, is, is Korea still majority Buddhist? Okay, so the so there's like a very big Christian population. So my plan right. here was to come here and go to Bible studies because this yeah. Bible study that I attended in the states also has a branch here, but oh, it was like a five hour train ride. So you know, I know when it's time for that. Um, Can you but, imagine? I know. I mean, I'm I sure that that I'm sure then a dedication could imagine. Could. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, if it was a good time and not like 4 a.m. Yeah, sure, but. Um, but yeah, a big majority is Christian, but the Christians here can be very even worse cults than the states. Yeah, like it's a little bit cults. more dangerous. Yeah, very I feel very like COVID dangerous. COVID really brought some of that to international. Yeah, yeah, international awareness. I mean, the Moonies <laughs> are a Korean cult. Yeah, the Moonies that's true. are a Korean cult. So if you can, you know, think of the Moonies, that is a. I went to college with two Moonies who had gotten married in utero. It's really, it's just really interesting. It's so. So and yeah, now one of his sons is like a gun cult, like guy. <laughs> yeah, because they've gun Christianity they've now. transitioned in the Moonies have transitioned to a gun cult now. That was Ugh, yep, so crazy. But anyway, yeah. yeah so I, I think that's really interesting because they say like one of the reasons that we encourage study abroad experiences is because of how enlightening it is to live a, like oh, amongst yeah. more diverse backgrounds, and that's like literally the exact experience you had. Right, right. And so like um income and I didn't go to church but I was still involved with my Christian friends. I still had a personal Bible study and things like that. Um but like when you're listening, you know, I think I was listening to I think 
even like Ono Ross and Carrie, I found before I came to Korea. Yeah. And I had always had a fascination with cults, but I think their episode on abortion was eye opening. Oh, the one where they I they go to the abortion episode. clinic and they, go, they, they show go to how the, manipulative like, women's health yeah clinic women's health clinic where they are so so manipulative and talking women right out and having abortion and it's and it's like you know where it's saying because like I remember when I was like very young like maybe five probably younger going to protest at an abortion clinic mm. in our city that later was shut down yeah um so like that whole pro-life ideal was always sort of like hammered in and there was no like you're absolutely murdering yeah and so then, then finding out that that was a direct result of the 70s and desegregation <laughs> you're like oh yeah. all yeah. of this all is the just... politician sort of stuff that goes in it it was yeah. more of a political move not an actual like like before that point abortions were fine and yeah the, and i think because the fact, nobody even thought about them and i think the fact that really bothered me is that people lie to others saying that they're that the, the fetus feels pain mm-hmm. because that has always what I was always told, what I always heard, even though like I was at that point, I was still like, well, if, you know, if for certain cases I can totally understand abortion, yeah. but to hear specifically like, no, there are no pain receptors in a fetus at this time. Yeah. Like that was like, well, if they've lied to me about something about so small, yeah, then what else are they lying to me about? And yeah. that's when I started to like listen to like Harvard text criti- like criticism of the Old Testament mm-hmm. and like where the actual gods of Elohim and the influences of Elohim came from and not what I was told. Like, and I'm not saying that from like, I did, I went in there with an open mind, like, okay, maybe you know, like maybe this is correct and, you know, Christianity is correct and just certain things I was told from my sect was wrong. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So you weren't even, like, ready to just, like, fully give it up. You were just totally not. maybe your the way you were raised, raised was, was wrong. Incorrect. Right. Yeah. But just as I kept going, even, like, the book of Revelation was not written by the Apostle John. Like, yeah. things, like, small things that people think, like, oh, that's not a big deal that the author John was not the actual Apostle John, but you were told your entire life that the Apostle John was wrote the book of Revelation and, you know, he yeah. died and suffered and a martyr's death, you know. And I'm like, but no, when you're raised with this from a child and this is ingrained in you, mm-hmm. these lies matter. Yeah. Because... If they lied about something so small like that, or they did not tell you the whole truth about this, then what else are they not telling you? Well, and when you start sensing the themes of what gets lied about is stuff that will allow for more control over women, children, underrepresented groups, whatever. When you start sensing those themes, you're like... Oh, so you were lying to consolidate power. I I get it. I get it. I (laughs) see that. (laughs) Right. And like... And I have, like, no problem with friends that are still in Christianity who, you know, still go to church and things like that. It's just I've seen too much and I can't take it back. That's yeah. where I'm at. Like, I'm, yeah. I've am i seen – I know too much because I took the textual criticisms in class. It's, I went to seminary. I have seminary you degrees. so deep in yeah. that coming back out is, like – I don't know. Like, just like, amazing. Like I see like where the historical Jesus is appealing. Yeah, totally. Historical but, Jesus is cool as hell. 
And, but I'm not at that place yet where I can say he's cool I know, as hell. I know, that's but, true. That's true. <laughs> Fair. But, you don't have to be. It's, right. But I, don't, but I think, like, if that works for somebody and they are happy in that paradigm and they're not harming other people. Right. But then I that, think that that's the breakdown is that right. modern, and this is like... <laughs> We can re- fine you line. and I could talk about this for a thousand years. We could. I think that the the breakdown really happens with the fact that modern American Christianity relies mm-hmm. on telling other people that they're wrong. Yes. Whether it's in group or out of group, there yeah. is no way to really be part or I guess as an individual, maybe sure. Mm-hmm. As an organization, modern American Christianity and all of its forms relies on making other people the bad guys. Right. And so there's no way for you as a group member to be participating in it without also participating in those negative components. Right. To me. Right. As an individual, Uh, I know so many wonderful people who consider themselves Christians and are actually good, unharmful, mostly non-problematic people. But as an organization, you can't remove yourself from it if you're going every week and giving them money Mm -hmm. and like identifying right. that way especially to the more dangerous sex yeah. themselves yeah you know? totally so um, so what I, year was what year did you move to korea okay i moved to korea in 2000 the summer of 2015 i probably the deconversion process was full blown ongoing probably in january of 2016 yeah i think is kind of what i kind of pinpointed because that was sort of like the rise of Trump was getting more traction. I saw people I loved kind of falling for his bullshit, you know, like, and I could see like, even like outside, like I would not have labeled myself as a non-Christian at that point. And I could even see his grift. Yeah. And so that was part of the breaking point was I was in the Bible. We are promised that Christians would not be blinded by, um, yeah, literally, literally blinded like by yeah. people like that. Yeah. And I would see family members blinded by that. And I was like, God's not protecting them. This is fake. Yeah. Like Whoa. literally that was my, that was like one of the straws that I distinctly remember breaking the camel's back was like, you know, my family is not being protected from this quote unquote antichrist, yeah. this person who does not exemplify Christ whatsoever. Yeah, totally. And they're being grifted by him. This is not real. What the hell? Yeah, exactly. Right. If they're falling for it, then because what that's the what we are promised. We are promised that in the new Testament, that if we are Christians, we will not be fooled by these people, but yet yeah. here we are. Here we are. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And then, oh, man. <laughs> I know. And then I met my husband and I wasn't even like planning to, I mean, like date I thought I was be single forever because I enjoyed being single you know yeah <laughs> like, I was and happy because you didn't get married at 21 like right, so many right. other everybody people else who yeah were raised in the, graduation in the same engagement same day not happening yeah you know? exactly exactly <laughs> yeah because it's hard finding someone who especially in Christian circles who would want to be with a strong yeah willed woman who had ideas of her own um yeah and, and who re- wanted to talk about them, who wasn't just like right. comfortable with like being like, well, I guess we're never going to agree about this, which is something that a lot of Christian women have experienced yes. in the last five years, especially in the last election of saying, I know that I'm right and that mm-hmm. I care about other people, but I'm married to somebody who I will never be able to agree with about that. Right. And I just have to deal with it rather and than. I don't, and I don't want to cancel out his vote because canceling out his vote would be disrespectful. <laughs> Bullshit. So, um, cancel away, baby. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm sure my I'm sure my family suspects that I stopped being a Christian because of my husband because my husband's not a Christian. I'm sure his family's Catholic. He he went to church when he was young. Um, and the timing aligns. The so timing closely. aligns so closely, but literally, I had already. I was at the tail end of like that breaking point. Like it would have yeah. happened if it wasn't, it was for him or not. The reason that you were open to being with him probably coincided more with you not being a Christian anymore. Exactly. Than him making you not a Christian. Right. It, ha- it had nothing could. to do with his sexy ass bod or anything like that. <laughs> like it had. <laughs> I laugh is- because sometimes I do find myself objectifying your husband when you're like sending a picture of him and the dogs. I'm like, he is so handsome. So cute. He's really handsome. <laughs> But it really literally had nothing to do with that because he was like in the car because he had seen on my Facebook that I was a Christian because at that point I was still a Christian on Facebook. And yeah. he was even talking to me about, you know, Christian things. So I think he was open to other conversations Yeah, if I would go that way. But um, but the I think one of the last straws was the fact like when we decided we wanted to date, I was like, and this is where I go to hell. Like I'm yeah. willing to go to hell for this man. If that's what it takes. And that's fine. And I'm fine with that. Like, And then you're like, no, I don't even have to. I don't even worry. I'm not even, I'm not even worried about that. Literally. I'm not worried about it. But in my mind, there was that thought of like, you know what? This could send me to hell. I'm okay with that. You know, like. But I do think it's so interesting because I think that when you are leaving that mindset, it's really uh-huh. hard to get over that thing that you've been raised with forever. That like hell is real and God yeah. is real and I mean, the devil is real and all those things. Like, yeah, those are the most base level last thing to go in a deconversion process yeah. because your brain was raised to fear everything. I mean, I was 12, 13, 14 at camp where we had screaming preachers. They were literally called screaming preachers where the whole time for hours on end, they would be screaming at you. Ugh. That's why I, I have like a reaction to screaming now. To yelling. Of yeah. Just and in general. at the top of their lungs, sweat, red faced saying like hellfire, brimstone, terrifying I mean, I would, I had panic attacks whenever any pastor would talk about revelation or the return of Jesus Mm-mm. from seven years old. Yeah. I would have to like literally leave spaces even and in then college. I, like it's hard for me to, and maybe this is because I wasn't raised in this family environment either, but it's right. hard for me to imagine having a sweet, sweet seven-year-old who's literally crying in fear of something that you're putting on her by taking her to that church. Mm-hmm. Like your seven-year-old is thinking that she is bad forever seven at seven like just a little dummy dumb dumb seven-year-old like sweet face I'm sure you were wearing like a Peter Pan collar I'm sure you had bangs (laughs) it was the early 90s like I can just envision a sweet tiny little Esther trying to like keep her siblings safe and panicking about hell and then you continue to put all of your children in a situation where they have to be constantly hyper vigilant against hell even though you can (laughs) see what it's doing to their little tiny bodies and their little tiny brains yeah. I just don't get why you would do that. But I yeah. I mean, I wasn't raised in that environment. So I'm sure that your parents felt like they had their reasons for it. And it mm-hmm. all made sense. But just imagining a little like 1994 Esther being like <laughs> fully panicked is right. so sad. Well, and like I've come to terms with like. My grandfather was a narcissist. Yeah. And I've, I've shared that with you before. And I may have mentioned on the podcast. He was a full blown narcissist personality disorder individual kind of guy yeah yeah and I know that my mother was raised in an abusive environment caused by him yeah totally so so for her especially like I see her as a product of her environment just like I see the my father as a product of his his environment environment and so 
I don't have any sort of, I don't want to say, like, there's no bitterness. There's no I know. You're anger. a remarkably, <laughs> remarkably, like, adapted to all well, of and, it. And for me, I just want what's best for them. Yeah. And in, in, at the end of the day where, and like a sense of understanding where my journey has led me in a respect right. for and that. respecting it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There was an interesting TikTok that my sister sent me that was basically like a really good uh, inner child healing exercise is to envision your parent as a five-year-old and then tell your parent as a five-year-old what you wish that they really understood about themselves. Oh, yeah. Which is a really good way to build some of that empathy. And you're already doing it by saying, I understand that my mother was raised in this environment that she had no control over. And so Mm -hmm. whatever she could do to kind of like find ways to control her adult environment, she was going to do that because that was not something she had. Right, right. So, but I do like that exercise in general because I do think that a lot of our understandings of the way that our parents interact with the world, it's like, yeah, if only they would stop X, Y, Z. And a lot of the times they have a legitimate reason Mm -hmm. for doing that. And I think it is good to unpack sort of some of that empathy by saying, like, what do I wish somebody had told my five-year-old parent about themselves? Like like I did not tell my parents that I was I did not go by my real name on this podcast. Yeah. Just, until, uh, last, until like two months ago, two months ago. months ago. I guess now it was six months yeah. ago. Okay. Still. Okay. <laughs> um, but I kind of kept myself hidden from my family because like, I always sort of, I did not want my family or my parents specifically to have guilt about yeah. their one daughter that they not being a Christian. Save. They couldn't yeah. save me. <laughs> or them on their deathbed being like, I'm not going to see Esther in heaven. That'd be their last thought. Like, Oh I, my God. They, that won't be their last thought, Esther. No, no. <laughs> but for me, that's where my emotions come out. Yeah, totally. Because I care you about love them. them. And I yeah. love them. Yeah. And I want them to know that this journey away from Christianity had nothing to do with them specifically. Yeah. And it and was not also their fault. And also has made you such a stronger, healthier person. Yes, yes. Like I you... want them. I want them to be proud of the woman I am today because I'm a yeah. much healthier version of who I've always been. Right, right. You're still their daughter. You I'm just still their daughter. Not as rocked with stuff. <laughs> right. I you know, I'm on a different journey than maybe what they expected. Yeah. <laughs> and what from what I expected, but that's um a but beautiful, that, that love it can is be still beautiful. there. Right. Yeah. And that love is still there and that there is no sense of ill will and I don't of course there's nothing like blame or nothing is I know and I think that that's like a really interesting component of or a really telling thing about how much tarot maybe or just in general your thoughtfulness and your introspection I think that that's like the biggest testament to your thoughtfulness and your introspection and the value that not being in the same parameters has given to you is that you're able to see your love for your family as something separate from their expectations of you. Yeah. And you are able to still be a good, supportive, active, wonderful member of their family, of your family Mm -hmm. without it always feeling painful that they might be disappointed in you. Right. Right. Because like, yeah, sorry. Go (laughs) ahead. Sorry. It's okay. Cause the last thing I want is for anyone to feel pain. I would rather like I held it in for so long cause I would rather feel that pain. Yeah. Then the only reason you ended up really telling them was the book. And also (laughs) you kept getting these insane readings about them, like finding out. (laughs) Out. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it was better that you could tell them, even though you your responses were like lackluster, <laughs> but whatever. You, you got my love. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I just, uh, for me, I just wanted to be able to, to be the one to pull the trigger and for them right. not to be the one to find out through other people. Well, or through motherfucking PayPal, putting yourself yeah. on blast. <laughs> I know, I know. Esther's mom went to send her some money on PayPal and she just searched her name searched and my her name celestial and I'm like, Esther it. email address came up. Like, who is and this? And then it was like, yeah, her mom texted her and was like, somebody's using your name, I think, on PayPal under I'm this like, email. Oh, <laughs> she must still have my name and living career. There is another Esther Joy here. You know? like, there, I mean, there really is. But <laughs> there's gotta be. There's gotta be. But yeah. So I, I am glad that um I did tell them because I think we're on like there's I don't want to say there's no more secrets um <laughs> but I don't feel the need to hide right exactly anymore. which is so important and I'm able to like I'm not waking up in the middle of the night panicked that someone's right. gonna find me out you know like I feel a sense of freedom <laughs> my poor husband He's, he feels a sense of freedom too. Yeah. In this, he doesn't like, have to watch what he's saying and posting. He's saying on and posting on Instagram because he's so excited about the snakes and all my pretty things. Esther would be like, oh my God, Homan posted a picture of the snakes and you can totally see crystals in the background. My parents are going to say something. Like, that's the level of that's concern a level. that you yeah. are having. Yeah. Like a vague tarot card in the background of something. So, yeah. Which is wild because you don't live in that big of a house and you I have 50,000 tarot cards. I know. I know. But at the same time, I was still just like, okay, at the uh, towards the end when I knew we were publishing the book and I eventually come out, I was just like, okay, Holman, have your fun. Like, do your thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Because, like, I, he's excited. Why should I dampen that excitement? He loves me for who I am. He exactly. supports me. And he even supports from me the moment beyond. that you started being into tarot, like the minute that he realized that tarot cards were in the house, which is not the minute you got into tarot. <laughs> no, I do think that no. those are two yeah. different moments two different for folks. most people yeah. who get into tarot. <laughs> he's been into it. Yeah. Like yeah. from the jump, like he's, he loves you so much and he's such a, curious interested little Aries like he wants yeah. to be in he also loves collections yes this is very true we're both collecting kinds of people types of he people just, so I think that that also helps and it's so funny because it's so hard to like it's I could I would imagine in your shoes that it would be really hard to go back to the U.S. with your Korean husband knowing that your family thinks that he's the reason you're not a Christian when the reality right. is that his support of you allowed mm -hmm. you to figure out who you were rather right. than you trying to adapt to your surroundings. Like exactly. I'm either in this Christian Southern Baptist environment, or I'm in Korea and you got this chance, this breathing room and this uh -huh. loving support from a really, really awesome person in your life to be able to figure out what you wanted and who you were. Right, right, right. So you know exactly. the truth, but I totally understand the concern that people would be like, well, she moved to Korea and all of a sudden, all now of a sudden she has a, a husband. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> she must be pregnant. What's going on? You know, like, <laughs> but yeah. like, no, I just have pets. Just yeah, lots I'm, and lots of pets. And I'm still like, how long have home and I been together? Four years, yeah. almost five years now. Yeah. You know, where like four, almost four and a half years, maybe you've been where, married for two over yeah, two, right? Over, we were married in 2018. Yeah. Yes. October. So three years. So we were about your wedding invitation was on the side of my fridge until we got new countertops <laughs> last month. Hey, I'll send you more. We still have some wedding invitations left. If you know, know. another one, <laughs> I'll send you some of mine, which are from okay. 2013. Hey, that shit just sticks around. It does. You can't and you bring have so many to throw away, you can't throw away wedding invitations. <laughs> 
That's like a curse, right? I feel like it's like a witch's curse. You just have to keep it forever. And then since, yeah, if you don't have children, whoever's your heir has to deal with it. They can throw it away. Yeah. But I've, I like, even now I'm still so shocked with how supportive of whatever weird idea have like you know oh you want to do this okay sure you know you have a podcast especially okay, as sure. people who do not I think that both of us are in this situation I don't want it to turn into like just a like part of oh, yeah. love fest but we're both <laughs> in this situation where we do not believe in soulmates or twin flames yes and yet we have found ourselves partnered with people who fully are just have our back Yes. Yeah. Complete us in a way that we did not expect. Right. Exactly. And I think like, I mean, I think for both of us, it's just like being able to find ways to figure out yourself within the supportive environment of it was really Mm -hmm. helpful. Yeah. I mean, and Nathan and I had been together for like more than five years Mm-hmm. or even maybe seven before I even started, but we were like not religious. So it wasn't right, like right, I right. went from one extreme to, <laughs> to suddenly another. being a tarot witchy person, but, <laughs> and also he's met my mother. So he knows right. that that kind of is like a thing that we do. Um, but yeah, it's just so interesting that like yeah. having that support can feel so having a supportive situation. And I'm using air quotes for that can feel so like strangling in some situations and so like freeing in others. Totally. And you had to kind of go from one extreme to the other. It makes sense. I mean, being a cancer, like retreating into your shell so much probably really saved you in a situation where you were not safe, both emotionally Mm -hmm. and physically sometimes and definitely spiritually. Right. Like it was probably really helpful that you could kind of go internal, but ultimately it is much better for you to feel like you can talk about those things with people. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can listen to how Holly and I met and how my tarot journey got started on the Artero episode. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Which was so much, I mean, it's just so wild because it just feels like a, not even a miracle. It's like a testament to your strength and perseverance that you were able to retain all of that stuff. Every time you had a little spark of what the fuck is everyone talking about <laughs> that you kept that instead of just pushing it down. Cause you're a yeah. very curious and smart person. And then that you found ways to give yourself the room to explore and grow by, you know, leaving jobs, moving to Korea. Right. Like really, it just is amazing. And I think that that's why people Like we've gotten so many questions similar to this, but before you were like, before your parents and family knew that you were no longer Christian, it was always way riskier to talk about your path Mm -hmm. because there's always that fear that someone's going to put two and two together and be like, Oh, Chattanooga, Esther. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And like, I think I've answered some listener questions through emails or things like that for other people who are, you know, you know, or like my DMs used to be open. Now they're not anymore. <laughs> yeah. Esther closed her DMs. I'm not like, because I'm like of that. Too, not because of that. <laughs> just too many people wanted me. And I'm like, no, just leave me alone, please. I need to shell up for a couple of weeks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's true. We have yeah. gotten a lot of like questions to the wildly Tarot account for people, for people being very vulnerable and asking yeah. beautiful questions about how everything went for you. But I, I, I just appreciate your willingness to talk about that. Talk about right. it all in this setting. Cause I know that you don't like being made to cry on the podcast. No, I do not. <laughs> I also don't really like the spotlight on me, even though it should be like a Leo, like to like we saw well, earlier. We are co-hosts. Esther. We are co-hosts. Let's let you talk sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. We're, we're never do this again, ever again. We're not going to answer a question about I'm me ever again. On, uh, the next episode, I'm going to be the only one talking like Esther won't even come. She's like, I no. already spoke enough. Like I already spoken enough between the interview with with brendan and this this today's episode i'm done i'm tapping out 
What a way to go. I know. Anyway, I'm really yeah. proud of you. I don't even think we have time to do a deck review. I don't think so. <laughs> what are we going to call this? The Esther interview? Like, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This is Wild Hair Podcast. God, I can come up with so many cheesy ass names that no oh my one god, look at that one. Want to click on? Yeah, it's what okay. the fuck? That's what we'll call it. What no, the fuck? No, I think just Esther. <laughs> Esther. Esther's testimony. That's too Christiany. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the other weird. Th- and maybe if we're not doing the deck review, then I can mm-hmm. we can talk about this for a second. The yeah. other weird flip side of that coin is the established tarot readers who then convert to evangelical Christianity. And then they have to post testimony about Uh how deep and dark and demonic their experience with Tara was and how blah. And that seeing that shit fills me with fiery hot rage because of friends who've left evangelicalism Uh and have found so much more peace by not being evangelicals. Like it's, Anytime I read a testimony like that, it reeks of spiritual abuse where yeah. they are being manipulated by someone, someone else in their life. Yeah. For whatever reason they're being manipulated, whether it's for money, whether it's to hook onto their fame, whether it's to marry them, to, to get a testimonial from a yeah. fucking from literal a, a, witch. A, a old witch. Yeah. You know, so it like, it, it, I don't want to say it shocks me because I think if you're not aware of the tentacles of manipulation or the tentacles of how cults can like creep into you and kind of the sub the subliminal. Yep. That's what I want. Yeah. The, sub, the subtle subliminal sort of messages they send you and then how they sort of grab onto you. I think if you're not aware of that, then it's very easy for love and light, especially sort of people to. Yeah. I think there are vulnerable Jesus groups for. specifically. Right. And especially if you're looking for community, there is something to be said about yeah. evangelicalism's commitment to making mm-hmm. people feel like if they just could join, then they'd be yeah. part of this. The love bombing community. is really good love in bombing, the Christian exactly. community. Yeah. It's just so wild to see. And it's always so nerve wracking, but I think that that's also where there's like an explanation for like, our friend Logan and you mm-hmm. are not at the point where the historical Jesus or like whatever, <laughs> like, right. ma- like saints and stuff is an acceptable part for you of your right. spiritual practice. You're still working through that. Right. And I am not interested in it, but it also doesn't spark anything in me because it was not part of my spiritual abuse as a child to mm-hmm. like have to think about those things. Right. You don't, you don't have as vitriol of a reaction where Logan and I very much are like, you know, vampire with a cross sort of like. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You know, where every, you know, like where I see how something like, is it Santorino? Santorino? Santoria, yeah. Santoria, where, you know, the saints kind of mask for certain gods and goddesses from other deities in different cultures. Like I can see how that happens and like, that I have no judgment towards that at all. Yeah. But in the Christian context, it's very much of like a, this is, <gasps> this is not good. Okay. Well, so. and especially because there are a lot of uh, sort of like witchy um, pathways where traditional beliefs were literally forced out of indigenous groups mm-hmm. or black groups right. or whatever. And so they had to incorporate highly, highly Christian right. symbols into their indigenous belief systems in order to sort of like pass under the radar. 
So I think that makes total sense. But in the context of like white Christianity, mm-hmm. uh, white American Christianity, it's just like that vampire yeah, reaction. Right, right. And <laughs> people ask me, I think I've gotten this question before, like, is Christianity comp- compatible with paganism or witchcraft? And I say absolutely not. Just reading the Bible front to back, it's not compatible. Over whatsoever. and over and over again. It's not compatible. You can you can, like, even... Like, I understand the Mother Mary as a goddess figure, but there's a better archetype for that. Like, and I don't say that in judgment, like, for people who who honor, do, who do use it. Yeah. yeah. I think it's, like, the one true Scotsman fallacy thing. The one true Scotsman fallacy is, like, when somebody does some somebody in your group does something reprehensible, then the default is to say, oh, well, they're not truly, a, they're, they're not actually Scottish, mm-hmm. you know, or they're not a true representation of a Scotsman. It's called the one true Scotsman fallacy. I think that Christians do that a lot, especially Christian witches. And I'm using air quotes there too, where they say, oh, well that Christianity isn't true Christianity. And what I'm doing is, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's helpful if you're still in a journey where you're not ready to make that ultimate leap, but having it be the, oh, those aren't true Christians is something that Christians say to excuse every bad thing Christians have ever done. And at a certain point, you just have to stop letting that happen as Mm -hmm. somebody who's a thoughtful, critical thinker. You just can't say, oh, well, it wasn't me, Christians, who colonized all of the world and murdered people by the millions because of their (laughs) faiths. Those weren't real Christians. Those were political operatives or whatever. It's Uh like you can't keep moving that benchmark to make exactly you're not part of the problem right right and that's sort of where i always lose it with the christian witches thing right right and so for me it's like i'm like no it's not compatible at all there's a better archetype for that you know if you want to help you find somebody message (laughs) us we'll help you find exactly or there's i'm sure there's a buzzfeed quiz that's better (laughs) at finding something exactly you know go to pantheos or whatever that website is there's probably a literal article that says like 15 deities that have similar vibes to mary (laughs) right right and like and there's no judgment because i know like i love kellyanne maddox and one of her big people that she works with is mary yeah just for me the archetype of mary combined with the catholicism and the colonialism that catholicism like enacted with it yeah so so like early on in its inception just at the very beginning (laughs) very beginning the nicene creed on right (laughs) (laughs) like i just you know i i'm not saying that um there shouldn't be consideration for that to happen but it's just like Okay, right. It it you can do that. It's just not what I want to align myself with. That's not right. the type of energy, right? I want to and so maybe if if that. somebody is if somebody does find the archetypes useful, the archetypes yeah. of Mary, the archetypes of saints or whatever, looking for alternatives that maybe align more closely with your well, personal values. And what would happen is with Catholicism, they would go and they would colonize a place and replace the actual gods and goddesses and label with them as saints, like saints. Yeah, Bridget. Exactly. Like Bridget yeah, is a goddess. In Celtic religion. In Celtic religion. That's just, you know, so finding something that is comparable, it'd be, you yeah. know, I, I think there's a better way. But anyway, so. Yeah. Yeah. It's just an interesting, like, thought exercise to be like, yeah, what would I be think so. better suited? Yeah. Anyway, I love you (laughs) and I'm so proud of you. And I'm so proud to be in this platform with you and just know the Esther of today who wrote a fucking book about tarot art and does creative, has such a busy mind of beautiful creative things that she can do that are not related at all to 
trauma of the past or yeah. Christianity at all. It's just, it's just awesome. You're a really cool person, Esther. Well, <laughs> and thank now you. we don't have time to do a, <laughs> to do a dick. Sure. Sorry. Sorry, friends. <laughs> Sorry. But we rarely do this. We had a lot yeah, to say. And if you, you know, I don't want to put any emotional labor on Esther to like have to respond to I people th- who are going through similar things. But I also know that Esther is comfortable with that right. role. Yeah. I, She's a I shepherdess. I am open. Yes, I am. <laughs> so I'll probably like open my DMs for the next They can week. just email or email no, the podcast. No, no. Just email the podcast. Okay, Don't email the podcast. Contact form <laughs> is on the podcast. In our yeah. Facebook group, there are lots of ex Christians, ex Yeah, who would love love to, to talk about stuff. You know, we so. will not. If you try to convert us, though, we will just delete your message. Yeah, yeah. But also, yeah. why would you be listening to this podcast if you're like uh, actively trying to convert us? There's no I mean, way to know. We are in the spirituality <laughs> section of Apple of Podcasts, iTunes. and maybe. Maybe this um, specific episode will go to number one. Oh, God and <laughs> the I'm Leo side has came out suddenly. <laughs> and my Capricorns. I mean, both of us have this like warring thing between trying to just like stay really cool, calm, and collected, and then just like an intense need for recognition for between my moon and <laughs> yes. rising and your side. My Leo. <laughs> I love it. Oh man, we work against it and fail. Yeah, we try. <laughs> anyway, that is our show. And next week we're starting our tarot summer school. So Woo-hoo. you are totally welcome to submit questions throughout the summer. We will probably start back after our summer school session with lots and lots of great questions. Um, but you can go to our website for contact information for whatever you want. It's wildlytarot.com. And also tell your friends about us and rate review us. It helps us grow and makes us really, really happy and appreciative that you so would tell happy. other people about us. Exactly. You can also follow us on Instagram at Wildly Tarot Podcast or join our Facebook community by searching for Wildly Tarot Podcast on Facebook. And also we have a Discord that you can click the link in our show notes. And we have a Redbubble shop with merch with our faces on it and a, what is it <laughs> called? A certification. I was like, it's a mug. A certification mug or prints or if you print. want. Yeah, it doesn't even just have to be a And it can be your own like four thousand hours of schmirk schmirk. <laughs> we don't care what you're doing for four thousand hours, you no. get certified. You do. Absolutely. <laughs> Everyone passes. Awesome. All right. Well, we love you. Oh, I forgot our catchphrase. Oh Go forth and Tara wildly, Esther. <laughs> we love you so much. We love you so much. <laughs> I was like, how does this end? How do we end this? <laughs> we don't know. We've only been doing this for 120 episodes. Yeah. <laughs>